This is Deep Dive. I'm Fei Fei. It's sometimes hard to recall what life was like before we became so spoiled by our food delivery guys and Uber drivers. These days, they're everywhere in our cities, rushing to get the next order. I won't call or ring the bell when I deliver parcels for this family. They have a baby and also a pet. That would wake them up. I put the stir fries at the bottom of my trunk and then I stack meals like fried chicken or noodles on top. Fried chicken and noodles can get cold very fast, so I use the heat from the stir fries to keep them warm. On Chinese New Year's Day, I drove three Japanese tourists visiting Guizhou from the airport, and I suggested a few places for them to hang out. They are also our family members and friends who are taking advantage of online platforms and looking for new opportunities in life. But now they're facing a problem. These are relatively new types of occupations in our society without enough laws and regulations. So when a Uber driver signs up on the app and starts picking up orders, there are no clauses or laws that protect their rights as workers. And this problem is becoming more prevalent as more people take up jobs on platforms. For this, I spoke with my colleague Li Yunqi, who's been finding out what we can do to improve protection for these workers. This episode is brought to you on Friday, March the tenth. Hello, Yunqi. Hi, Fifei. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Tell us what exactly this gig economy really means. Okay, I think this will be a very simple concept for those people who have a musician friend, because before this word was used in gig economy, and what a gig means is that sometimes you'll be playing with these people, sometimes you'll be performing with other people, and that applies to these new types of jobs we're seeing these days, like、uh, the drivers that work for digital platforms like、uh, Uber in the West and Didi in China, and then there's also the food delivery men, and these are the kind of jobs that I've been in touch quite often. On my daily lives, but to be for the sake of accuracy, there are also some other gig works like、uh, online streamers, and there are also like programmers, coders, designers, interpreters that take orders based on like a one-time service、uh, through a digital platform. So these people, they are all part of this gig economy. Sounds to me that they are kind of like the freelancers in the digital、exactly. age, right? On what scale of the population that we're talking about right now, who is working in this new type of gig economy at the moment? So I believe currently in China, the statistic from last year is that there are currently 84 million people working in the digital economy, and that's about the same size of the population in Germany. And、uh, this should be no surprise because these days people kind of when they go out, they take these online cars. Hailing services, and、uh, they get their lunches, and sometimes even groceries from these digital platforms. So they kind of empowered these freelancers, and all they need to do is to sign up an account on these digital platforms, and、uh, these platforms they will connect customers for you. Oh, so right now that taking advantage of these online platforms, that more people are starting to take up these kind of gig. 
jobs. And right. so what are the exactly the perks with this kind of occupation? Yeah, uh, I think it's quite obvious. Uh, the first thing, the first reason that why people want to be in a gig job is for autonomy or flexibility because people want more control because of these digital platforms. They have more options to go for flexibility mm. and autonomy in their work life. Of course, there will be the downsides. So what are the downsides? Actually, recently, there was a, a proposal from the Deputy Director General of Chongqing's Administration for Market Regulation, and his name is called Yang Guang. His suggestion is his proposal to the CPPCC, the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. So it's, it's like a, a national political advisory body that contributes their opinions to, to the government's decision-making and sometimes even legislation. In his suggestion, he quoted a survey that this administration had done on gig workers. There were 58% of these gig workers that the, their daily work hours might be between 8 and 12 hours. And if you're familiar with the labor law, then every day people should be only working about for eight hours. Any hours extending beyond that time should, should, should be getting extra pay. And also in that survey, there are 66% of gig workers that they responded that they take less than one day for resting each week. So I think that's kind of ironic because for a lot of people, they might start taking these gig jobs in seek of flexibility. But at the end, the outcome for these jobs, it turned out to be not so flexible. In this CPPCC member's proposal, is there anything about a solution to the problem that he mentioned? Yes, he brought up like a series of problems and suggestions to fix these problems. But one of the takeaways is that uh, the gig workers are kind of often controlled by the algorithms and they are kind of trapped in this quote unquote flexible working hours. So he, su he is suggesting better regulation of these digital platforms to kind of make sure they're implementing the strict a working hours regulation as per the law. Because the pay in the gig jobs, for most cases, the pay is based on the number of orders. And of course, gig workers, they would want to take more orders so they can make more money. And the platforms, they're also happy to send more orders to you. But sometimes this could lead to a situation that gig workers, they feel like they're working more hours, but actually they're getting less paid. And that's kind of like a manipulation done through the change of algorithms because the digital platforms, they have full control mm. to the algorithms. And sometimes you might be working more hours but getting less paid. But is that the only problem that this new form of economy is facing at the moment? Yang Guang is actually not the first one making such suggestions to fix these gig jobs. So, and there are some other proposals made from other individuals. And in this case, it's actually from an organization. So there is the suggestion coming from called All China Federation of Trade Unions. It's actually, it's the third year that they are making suggestions to address the problems in gig economy. And it's a rather comprehensive suggestion since it's a trade union and this union is formed by a lot of people from the working class. 
one of the takeaways that I read from their proposal is that they are kind of having a more focus on safety and health this year because this is the third year. So they kind of have different uh, focuses for each year. They were suggesting reform in social insurance programs and to establish more fitting system to include gig workers in state pension and medical insurances. And they're also asking for a regular supervision on the digital platforms to check if they are compliant on providing these insurance programs to their workers. And uh, they also called for like the expansion of social services for gig workers that involve a great deal of outdoor labor. In, in practice, that's like setting up the care facilities that gig workers, they can find a place for hot water, take a nap, and just to kind of recharge themselves during like a day of work. The advisors like Yang Guang and also the trade unions, they're trying to put a break and a safety net for the gig workers. How exactly can they do it? So this deputy director general of this administration, Yang Guang, he is a member of this CPPCC, and it kind of works as a advisory body. So one of the responsibilities for him being a member is that he needs to submit proposals to the various government bodies. It depends on what kind of proposals that he make, and it, it will these proposals will go to the according. Uh, government bodies. And these government bodies, they are required by the law to present an official response. And sometimes these proposals from the members of the CPPCC, they could contribute to the eventual, let's say, legislation or taking into account into change the regulations we have for different social sectors. For this gig economy that we are talking about at the moment, can these proposals about long working hours, about benefits associated with jobs, really make a change in the gig economy that these advisors are looking for? Well, speaking from this point, I can't guarantee because all I can say, all I can tell you is that according to the regulations for CPPCC, the government bodies will have to present official response within three months of the submission of that proposal. And if the answer, if that re- response doesn't satisfy Mr. Yang, and then he has the right to, to present another report along with his opinions on how he feels about this response from the government body. So for in the case of Mr. Yang Guang, he should be anticipating an official response from the government body within six months because it's a proposal coming from an individual member. And in the case of the All-China Federation of Trade Unions, they should be anticipating official response from the government bodies within three months, because it's kind of like a joint proposal from a trade union, from an organization. For speaking from this moment, it's in March, and we are still during the ongoing two sessions with the CPPCC's meetings going on. It will take some time to really deliver these advice opinions. Have any of the proposals in the past really able to make some changes in the regulations or in the way the government works? Yeah, the proposals that have been made in the past, they have already made different levels of impact to our social structure. Just like in the case of the trade union, it's already the third year for them to make such a proposal. And this, the discussion around the protection of gig workers has been going on for several years. 
and what happens just at the beginning of this month, March the 1st. So there was an employment act that's officially went into force in Shanghai. And that act was passed by the Municipal People's Congress in the city, the city's legislature. And in that new regulation has included gig workers to the social insurance programs, and, and which means they are legally protected, covered by China's social insurance schemes. Of course, we are talking about a city in Shanghai, but I believe these improvements and changes taking place on the regional level is what we need before we can promote these changes, these policies nationwide. And of course, remember I told you about that one of the suggestions from the All-China Federation of Trade Unions is setting up like a small facilities, or you can transform some of these existing establishments into the care facilities for the gig workers. The trade union was suggesting to, to set up these facilities for them to rest during the day. In some parts of China, like in Lanzhou, they have already set up a facility in this kind to provide a place for rest for the gig workers that uh, kind of just driving driving around the city, riding their scooter around the city so they can have a place to rest. So as you said, that these proposals are actually able to make some changes in our society here in China. But why is that? Why can these proposals from these advisors are valued by the government and are really able to make an impact? Being a member of the CPPCC, one special thing about this political organization is that a large group of the people, they actually come from uh, all walks of life. I mean, if you look at the composition of the CPPCC, you'll find that uh, the Communist Party of China takes about 4.6% of the total seats. Uh, the non-CPC political parties, they take about 17.5%. And all the rest, 78% seats are filled by people's organizations and representatives from all kinds of social sectors. The deputy director general that I told you about, Mr. Yang Guang, he's actually a representative from a party called the China National Democratic Construction Association. And uh, the All-China Federation of Trade Unions itself is one of the people's organizations. And they make proposals which might impact the government's decision-making and even legislation. So they are designed for a broader representation from the people. What kind of roles exactly do they play in the governance system in China? The responsibility that these members, they need to carry out, I think it kind of devolves into three aspects. So there's uh, democratic supervision, there's uh, this participation in the discussions and handling of state affairs, and uh, there's also political consultation. And uh, all these proposals that we just went through, they are actually an embodiment of their responsibility in political consultation by submitting a proposal. And the follow-up of these, of these proposals, they are supervising the way that the government is carrying out state affairs and dealing with state affairs. And also during the annual sessions of the CPPCC, over 2,000 members from across China, they gathered together in Beijing for uh, discussions uh, and exchanged their opinions in their proposals. We've clarified a little bit about the advisory body, CPPCC, but I want to go back to the proposals about the gig economy here, is that 
after solving the problems and really make these changes, what do the advisors or the CPPCC members think of the future in this gig economy? What kind of place will this sector take in the whole economy here in China? What we can tell from right now is that this is this is becoming more and more popular. It, it kind of fits people's preference on choosing on choosing the job with autonomy and flexibility. So, and also the growing number of gig workers has already spurred a lot of discussions on the social level and also among the members of the CPPCC and who have already made proposals and suggestions in improving this sector, but.、Uh, There are still things that probably will take some extra time before we can see actual results. Like、uh, there's actually another proposal. It's from Cao Peng, and he is the CEO of the cloud service in JD.com. And、uh, one of the suggestions that he made is for more clarity on the labor relation for the gig workers, because gig workers they kind of come from freelancers. But they are not exactly freelancers. But at the same time, they are also not proper full-time employees. So they are kind of, the status of the gig workers. They are kind of in between. So this new emerging identity is making it difficult to define their identity from a legal perspective, and that's actually the underpinning issue for why we are encountering these problems in social insurance in the working hours. Is because currently. These people, they have a new identity that's not in the law, that's not written in the law yet. And what Mr. Tao Pong from JD.com he was suggesting, what he was suggesting is to is for more clarity on the labor relations. But I think the very nature of gig jobs just makes it extra difficult to define them from a legal perspective, because gig jobs, as we spoke at the beginning, gig jobs are about flexibility. And laws are about、uh, accuracy and clarity. So there's lots of variances in terms of the work hours, in terms of the job content, and many other variances for the gig jobs. So I think it will probably be quite a long process to take into account all these variations before we can define the labor relations of these gig jobs that are with different levels of flexibility. Thank you, Yunqi. Thank you, Fei. Also, at the CPPCC session this year, proposals concerning the protection of workers' rights have been pouring in. Some are calling for revision of the current labor law to better accommodate the needs of gig workers. There are also suggestions on the more pragmatic front. One member called Li Heping from Anhui Province is suggesting a more flexible mechanism for gig workers so they can choose a date at their convenience to pay for social security. The protection of the rights of gig workers has also been included in the work report of the Chinese government this year. It says they will improve services and social security policies for these workers and launch trials of occupational injury insurance for people on platform jobs. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you've heard, please follow our show on your podcast platforms. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Fei Fei, and my colleague Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Li Yunqi. I'll see you in the next one.